Hi, everybody. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode. Um, This week's episode is going to be on attachment theory, which I wrote a huge paper on a few years ago for a marriage and relationship psychology class I took in college. So I'll be pulling a lot from that, um, some more updated articles, and also the book Attached by Dr. Amir Levine and Rachel S.F. Heller, which I highly recommend as well if you want to learn more about yourself and your attachment style. A lot of people already know the basics about attachment theory, but I'm sure you'll still learn something or at least relate in some way to something to say about myself. So I'm going to first get into the development of attachment theory as the way infants are attached to their primary caregivers um, and the experiments that they did. Then also relating it into the context of adult romantic relationships. Um, I'll speak on the very common anxious avoidant trap, as well as my attachment style and what has influenced my development. And finally, I'll go over ways to possibly develop a secure attachment in a relationship. Infants are born with a biological need for attachment. The attachment theory was developed by John Bowlby, who believed that the emotional bond between a child and its primary caregiver was instinctual and a way of survival. He was influenced by Lorenz's study of imprinting in, um, that was done in 1935, where Lorenz showed that attachment in infants was natural and a survival technique by studying young ducklings and their mother. Attachment theory was also influenced by Mary Ainsworth, who devised an assessment technique called the Strange Situation Classification. This assessment was invented to investigate the differences in attachments between children. The Strange Situation procedure took place in a smaller room with one-way glass so that it could be observed without the infant realizing that there were more people there observing it. Um, The infants were between the ages of 12 months and 18 months. 100 families were observed in this experiment. The infant in the room would be exposed to eight different situations that all lasted about three minutes each. First, it would be the mother, infant, and the experimenter. Second, the mother and baby alone. Third, a stranger would walk in and join the mother and baby. Fourth, the mother leaves the stranger and baby alone. Fifth, the mother returns and the stranger leaves. Sixth, the mother leaves the infant alone in the room. Seventh, the stranger returns. Lastly, the mother returns and the stranger leaves. So the determination of the attachment styles is based on four interaction behaviors directed towards the mother when reunited in stages five and eight. The four behaviors were proximity and contact seeking, contact maintaining, avoidance of proximity and contact, and resistance to contact and comforting. Conclusively, Ainsworth discovered 
three types of attachment, secure attachment, insecure, resistant, anxious attachment, and insecure, avoidant attachment. Secure attachment is obviously the healthiest out of all of the attachment styles. Um, Signs of secure attachment include distress when mother leaves, avoidant of the stranger when alone but friendly when mother is present, happy to be reunited with mother and uses mother as a safe base to explore their environment. Insecure anxious attachment can be identified if the child shows intense stress when mother leaves, the the infant shows fear of or avoids the stranger, Um, when reunited with the mother will approach the mother but resists contact and the infant cries more and explores the environment less than the other children. Insecure avoidant attachment can be identified if the child shows no sign of distress when the mother leaves, The child is okay with the stranger, shows little interest when the mother returns, and the mother and stranger are able to comfort the child equally as well. Later, they also recognize disorganized attachment. These children display a confusing mix of behavior, seeming disoriented, dazed, or confused. They may avoid or resist the parent lack of a clear attachment pattern is linked to inconsistent caregiver behavior. In such cases, uh, parents may serve as both a source of comfort and fear, leading to disorganized behavior. Quality of attachment is very impactful on the child's development. It can affect social, emotional, cognitive, and physical development. Generally, infants whose needs are met, they get a response when crying or fed, spoken to, and held, develop a secure attachment and a sense of trust with their caregiver. Infants who receive inconsistent or minimal care develop one of the two types of insecure attachment and a sense of mistrust. Infants with a secure attachment seem to explore more, they're more enthusiastic, sympathetic to others, cooperative, and independent. The type of attachment that is developed in early childhood with a caregiver determines the type of attachment that the child will likely develop in relationships later in life. Although attachment styles displayed in adulthood are not necessarily the same as those seen in infancy, Early attachments can have a serious impact on later relationships. Adults who were securely attached in childhood tend to have a have good self-esteem, um, strong romantic relationships, and the ability to self-disclose to others. Some factors that could affect a child's attachment could also be um, opportunity for attachment, children who don't have a primary caregiver, like those raised in orphanages, um, may fail to develop the sense of trust needed to form an an attachment. Also, the quality of the caregiving. Um, When caregivers respond quickly and consistently, children learn that they can depend on the people who are responsible for their care. 
which is the essential foundation for attachment, and this is a very vital factor. Hazan and Shaver in 1987 were two of the first researchers to explore Bowlby's ideas in the context of romantic relationships. According to them, the emotional bond that develops between adult romantic partners is partly a function of the same motivational system, the attachment behavioral system, that gives rise to the emotional bond between infants and their caregivers. Hazan and Shaver noted that the relationship between infants and caregivers and the relationship between adult romantic partners share a lot of the same features, um, including both feel safe when the other is near and responsive, both engage in close, intimate bodily contact, both feel insecure when the other is inaccessible, both share discoveries with one another, both play with one another's facial features and exhibit a mutual fascination and preoccupation with each other, Um, and often they both engage in baby talk. On the basis of these parallels, Hazan and Shaver argued that adult romantic relationships like infant caregiver relationships are attachments, and that romantic love is a property of the attachment behavioral system, as well as the motivational systems that give rise to caregiving and sexuality. So what do the different attachment styles look like in adult romantic relationships? Secure attachment is shown when a person is comfortable expressing their emotions openly Adults with a secure attachment style can depend on their partners and in turn let their partners rely on them. Relationships are based on honesty, tolerance, and emotional closeness. The secure attachment type thrive in their relationships, but also don't fear being on their own. They don't depend on the responsiveness or approval of their partners and tend to have a positive view of themselves and others. For adults in anxious attachment style, the partner is often the better half. The thought of living without the partner or being alone in general causes high levels of anxiety. People with this type of attachment typically have a negative self-image while having a positive view of others. The anxious adult often seeks approval, support, and responsiveness from their partner People with this attachment style value their relationships highly, but are often anxious and worried that their loved one is just not as invested in the relationship as they are. They have a strong fear of abandonment, and safety is a priority to them. The attention, care, and responsiveness of their partner appears to be the remedy for anxiety. On the other hand, the absence of support and intimacy can lead the anxious person to become more clinging and demanding, um, preoccupied with the relationship, and desperate for love. The dismissing, avoidant type 
would often perceive themselves as lone wolves, strong, independent, and self-sufficient, not necessarily in terms of physical contact, but rather on an emotional level. These people have high self-esteem and a positive view of themselves. Um, The dismissing avoidant type tend to believe that they don't have to be in a relationship to feel complete. They do not want to depend on others, have others depend on them, or seek support and approval in social bonds. Adults with this attachment style generally avoid emotional closeness. They also tend to hide or suppress their feelings when faced with a potentially emotion-dense situation or push someone away when they don't, when they get too close. Um, An avoidant type may also be seen as hyper-independent and it may not be seen as a bad thing. However, it interferes with the individual's ability to form meaningful connections. It's also very common that avoidant attachments have a phantom ex, which means that long after a relationship ended, they will view an ex as the one that got away, especially now that the threat of intimacy is gone. They can view their ex as all the good qualities that they may have undervalued. Um, This hang-up on a phantom ex will also make it easier to avoid true intimacy and future relationships. The disorganized type tends to show unstable and ambiguous behaviors in their social bonds. For adults with this attachment, uh, the partner and the relationship themselves are often the source of both desire and fear. These people do want intimacy and closeness, but at the same time experience trouble trusting and depending on others. They do not regulate their emotions well and avoid strong emotional attachment due to their fear of getting hurt. So let's talk about the extremely common anxious avoidant trap. People with an anxious attachment style have a very sensitive attachment system. The attachment system is a mechanism in our brain responsible for tracking and monitoring the safety and availability of our attachment figures. If an anxious person has reason to believe, even a very, very slight reason, that their relationship is in jeopardy, they will not be able to calm down until they get reassurance from their partner that the relationship is safe and their partner is there for them. The thoughts and feelings that push the anxious person to get close to their partner, emotionally or physically, are called activating strategies. Once the anxious partner reestablishes security with their partner, they will be able to calm down. People with an avoidant attachment still have the desire for an intimate relationship, yet by instinct keep their partners at arm's length and avoid intimacy. Their activated attachment system causes them to use deactivating strategies, which 
is any behavior or thought that is used to squelch intimacy. Avoidant partners often believe that their partners are needy and trying to take their independence. Believe it or not, anxious and avoidant partners are very common together. Many studies have been done to determine if we are attracted to people based on their attachment style. It's been discovered that these attachment styles complement each other in a way. The avoidant self-perception of being independent and their belief that a partner is trying to impede on their independence are both confirmed within themselves. The anxious partner's self-perception of wanting more intimacy that their partner can provide is also confirmed. There are some signs that a couple is in an anxious avoidant trap. There's a roller coaster effect. This is when the avoidant makes themselves available to the anxious partner. And there's a sense of intimacy and closeness, which leads to a feeling of a high, especially by the anxious partner. However, this feeling of closeness causes the avoidant partner to withdraw and leaves the anxious partner dissatisfied and with an activated attachment system where they then cling and work to get the reassurance of their avoidant partner because they're like, what happened? We were so close and now you're pulling away from me, right? And it makes them freak out. This is a pretty consistent cycle within the relationship. It can also cause many trivial fights um, caused by an underlying issue of the dissatisfaction of the amount of intimacy between them. It can cause a sense of stable instability. One or both of the partners may develop a sense that the relationship isn't right for them, but they feel too connected to their partner to leave. There are ways to aid an anxious avoidant relationship into a secure attachment. However, it's unfortunately not always possible. It's important to first identify a secure role model. This secure presence can be anyone with a secure attachment style, including a parent or a sibling. Um, Go over all the secure attachments in your life and summarize characteristics that you would like to adopt and strive for. Along with a secure role model, you want to reshape your working model. A working model is a phrase that describes our basic belief system when it comes to romantic relationships. This includes what gets you going, what shuts you down, your attitudes and expectations. It's important to understand your working model as a first step towards identifying patterns of thoughts, feelings, and actions that stand in the way of you becoming more secure. Although anxious and avoidant partners are naturally drawn together, it is always encouraged to seek out secure partners. If you have an anxious or avoidant insecure attachment, your best shot at a secure relationship would be to find someone who already has a secure style. It's just very uncommon, unfortunately. It will often make you more secure though. However, in some cases, 
the insecure partner will drag the secure partner into insecurity. So it's important to pay attention to that as well. All right, <clears throat> now it's time for me to talk about myself again. Um, as far as my upbringing, I think my needs were met pretty well by my mom, but my emotional needs were never met by my dad. And I never felt very supported or like I lived up to what he wanted me to be. I also just longed for his love, attention, and emotional support, but never really received it. I craved a father figure relationship, but just never got it to where I felt comfortable. And I never felt like my father was even comfortable with me. Um, I think that that emotional neglect in that relationship caused me to be anxiously attached in many of my relationships with men specifically. Also, someone that I dated years ago and dated twice at two very different points in my life was very avoidantly attached to me. It was like the standard of the anxious avoidant trap. Um, he would push me away when I got too close, even though he longed for that intimacy and then come back and pull me in. If I would get over it and separate myself and be like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Um, he like pulls away from me and it makes me feel insane. Uh, he would recognize that I separated myself and he couldn't stand it and would then come back and pull me in. He was someone that very often did stuff like start a fight over something silly um, not believe anything I said and stuck with whatever made-up theory he had and then tell me he needs space and wouldn't talk to me for days. Oh my god, that shit drove me fucking crazy. It made it really hard to leave, too, because being so anxiously attached to him, I just felt like I was losing my mind until the moment I got just a smidge of reassurance from him. Anytime it, like, our relationship felt good and stable, it would just, he would have to bring in some, even if it wasn't even something, like, real, you know, that happened. It was, like, something completely that he just made up in his mind to push me away. And the second I got the reassurance after um, him withdrawing and me being anxious for so long, that reassurance, if it felt like euphoria, right? The highs and lows of the anxious avoidant trap are insane and it makes it really hard to end. Towards the end of our relationship, I was a bit unsure where we stood. We were still seeing each other consistently, but you know, it was, it was unclear where we were at. And I knew he was seeing someone else. He wasn't being honest with me when I'd ask questions, but like, you know, he was lying, but I totally knew, right? And the other girl was getting him back into some really dark stuff. And even knowing all of this, I would still get my ass out of bed when he called me at 3 a.m., wandering the streets crying to go pick him up and comfort him. And at that point, I didn't even ask questions either because I knew 
that what was going on was he was seeing someone else and struggling with a desire to do heroin again after years of being clean um, or possibly was doing heroin with her. I'm not, you know, I didn't ask questions at that point, but I was so attached to him that I just couldn't imagine being without him at that point and definitely could not leave him when he still needed me. Luckily, I got out of that eventually, and I would never ever do that again with him or anyone else. I have worked really hard to recognize those patterns and see that relationship for what it was, which was a psychological trap for both of us. I also have learned how to make firm boundaries for myself and have way more self-respect than I did at that time. After that relationship was when I really got focused on finishing my AA and behavioral studies, and that's when I learned about attachment theory. And just learning about it and seeing my relationship through a psychological lens was incredibly helpful for my healing. I was working really hard to heal my attachment and become secure. I started dating someone else probably about a year after that, which, yes, our relationship had ups and downs for sure, but ultimately was very healing throughout it. And although there were times my anxious attachment would push to the surface, I would learn to self-soothe and communicate what I was feeling in a way that was logical to him, even if it didn't make sense, I would communicated in that way and he would comfort me and he was willing to work through it with me right it started happening less and less and I found myself in a space where I fully trusted him and I finally felt secure I finally got there and then he cheated on me but <laughs> nowadays, I don't even I don't even know what the fuck I am. I'm probably disorganized. Since that last time, I have yet allowed myself to be in a long-term trusting relationship where I'm in a position that I have to be vulnerable and possibly get hurt. And most people I've seen since then, there's always some reason that I know it probably won't work out long-term. So there's always like a way out. Um, that all reads avoidant to me. But there was one time pretty recently I actually started becoming emotionally attached to someone and it looked as though it was going to develop into something serious. And oh my God, my anxious attachment tendencies came like flooding back. Um so I think I'm just a big mix of all the bad ones now. Logically, I know how to be secure. I know what's expected. I know what a healthy relationship looks like and feels like. I've experienced it. But when my nervous system gets activated in one of those ways, it's impossible to avoid. Also, having developed PTSD by the way men have hurt me sexually and emotionally for sure doesn't help either <laughs> but there's there's a lot of work I gotta do but it's also complicated because I can do a lot of work on myself and my self-esteem and think that I'm healed 
But once I get into that position with someone, it's going to open the whole can of worms. Of course, working on it through therapy helps. Doing some introspection on why you have the attachment style that you do can be helpful to have that logical voice in your head when you're inevitably freaking out, whether anxious or avoidant or disorganized. But it's also going to be most helpful when I become attached to someone again, that that person be pretty securely attached, or at least understand why I react the way I do and is willing to be patient and work through it all together. And yeah, even if they're not securely attached, even if they're avoidant or whatever, as long as they're they have an understanding of it and they have a clear idea of what a secure relationship looks like and that's what they're willing to work towards. I mean, I think that we could do it. That brings me to conclude how you can possibly heal an insecure attachment style and develop a secure attachment with your partner. I already briefly brought up the importance of identifying a secure role model. Um, This secure presence can be anyone with a secure attachment style. Parent or sibling, go over all the secure examples in your life and summarize characteristics that you would like to adopt and strive for. I also brought up the working model, which is a phrase that describes our basic belief system when it comes to romantic relationships. It's important to understand your working model as a first step toward identifying patterns of thoughts, feelings, and actions that stand in the way of you becoming more secure so that you can start making corrective changes. If you have the ability to, talk to a therapist. Literally nothing beats this, and I don't think there's any replacement for talking to a professional and working on a healing plan. Um, Also, work on your self-esteem. Take relationships off the pedestal of what you want, but still be open to forming meaningful connections. Just don't put that pressure on yourself for a while while you work on um, how you feel about yourself. Learn how to self-soothe when you freak out. I don't, it's different for everyone. Self-soothing can mean something different to everyone, but you need to be able to soothe yourself and emotionally regulate. But really, the most important thing you can do if you and your partner are trying to build a secure attachment is work together and communicate. If you're trying to change your attachment in the relationship, but your partner isn't doing fucking anything, it's probably not going to work. It's a team effort that takes communication, time, and patience. You can't fix your relationship on your own. So thank you for listening to this episode. I hope that even if you already knew the basics about attachment theory, that you learned something new. Or if you knew nothing about attachment theory, I hope that this was extremely helpful to know yourself more and also maybe your partner. Um, Please subscribe, rate, and share this episode if you liked it. Thank you so much for listening and God bless.